0: surf
1: surf full circle hi i'm Miss Wanda and this is full circle girlfriend this is a place where you and i can connect it's a show that embraces a 360 degree look at womanhood it's our voice our perspective it's what we care about and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full, Full Circle. Circle. Happy Saturday, family. Welcome to another edition of Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. Feeling a little more magical today because my vice president looks like me. Yes! I am so super excited to have the first woman vice president. Yes, the first woman of color vice president representing for the African Americans, the Jamaican Americans, and for the East Indian Americans as well. So I'm so happy. I'm not even going to tell y'all how much I boo hooed at the inauguration. I'm just going to keep that to myself. (laughs) But there's so much to talk about. Let me introduce my guest, Janae Darden. I've been so excited to have Janae on the program. Janae is an award-winning author, journalist. She is a public speaker. She is a mental health advocate, and she is a proud Oakland native. She hosts the weekly art segment, Sights and Sounds, and covers East Oakland for KALW, which is the local NPR affiliate. But Janae has also reported for Marketplace, which is a great show. I'm just a fan of NPR, so that's a whole nother thing. Also for KQED, KPCC, the Los Angeles Times, Ebony Magazine, Huffington Post, Refinery29, and so many other outlets. So she's very accomplished. She has also written a book, When a Purple Rose Blooms, which is a collection of essays and poetry about her personal journey through Black womanhood. And if you haven't picked it up, we're going to talk about the book. She's going to read some stuff from the book, and hopefully you'll pick it up after today. I just want to go ahead and bring Bring her into the conversation so that we can get to chopping it up. So, good morning to you, Miss Janae Darden. Good morning, Miss Wanda. Good morning, Sacramento and the world. Janae is coming to us from Oakland right now. Um, Again, like I told you, she's a very proud Oakland native and still is in Oakland now. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad that you're here joining the program today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Let's jump right into it. You're a broadcast journalist, you are on your local NPR. PR station now, right? Uh Yes.
2: So KLW, uh, we're in PR station in the Bay Area. So yes.
1: Okay. So how did you get started into that? I'm going to weave the book throughout. I know your mom gave you a journal at seven. was that where you fell in love with writing
2: yeah that's actually where it started i had always you know i loved books and at that age i loved books and so you might remember walden books when they had the kids Mm -hmm. reading club and -hmm. he had the card that was my credit card (laughs) Um, Back in the day. Yeah, I fell in love with, I love to read. I still do. And when I was little, um, and I I write about this, there's a piece in in the book about this. When I was little, my mother, she worked for Pacific Bell. Some of y'all may remember Pacific Mm -hmm. Bell, which is, you know, which is now AT&T, but she worked for Pac Bell and she was an administrative assistant there. And so she went to the office supply closet, and she found this little small brown binder. And uh, so this is like you know the eighties. And then she went to her desk and typed it up on a typewriter, mm-hmm. a, a label that said Janae's Darton's Journal. And then she taped it on the on this Aww. little brown binder. And so I remember I was playing, I was playing um, in in my room, and she she said I have something for you. And so she gave me this little brown binder, and it's a note in it, and I still have it. And she told me, you know, she's like, you can write, you know, write your feelings, write whatever you want, write however you feel. She's like, I'm not gonna read it. This is your journal. This is personal. And I, I was little, I knew she was gonna read it because I was like, you know, <laughs> you know how black mama's <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like yeah right but you know but still so I started that's when I started writing then was when she was when she gave me that journal something just so small made a huge impact in my life
1: I was so excited to have you on the program that I totally skipped over usually I have the guests introduce themselves so go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience
2: Um, My name is Janae Darden. I am a, I mean, you gave me such a great introduction. I'm a a journalist, I'm a public speaker, I'm a mental health advocate, I'm an author, um, I'm a poet, uh, writer, just all kind of of stuff. Born and raised in East Oakland. Right now, I currently work for KALW, which is NPR affiliate in the Bay Area you're not in the at KLW.org and I host Sites and Sounds which is where I interview local artists about their work and I also cover East Oakland so I cover like issues uh, affecting East Oakland so yeah. it's really a privilege for me to cover the community that I, that I came from
1: Yeah that's so. really cool I mean that you grew up there you know the people both in the community and those that are serving the community because a, right. a lot of times especially at the local level it's people that are from the community so I would yeah. imagine that that makes your report. Even more richer because you have this background knowledge versus someone that just came in from wherever. Yeah. Right,
2: right, right. Yeah. And, and
1: it does. And especially too, because with, you know, when you look at communities
2: um, that, you know, especially communities of color um, and how there's sometimes there's distrust of the media and, you know, because we've been re- misrepresented in the media. Mm-hmm. And so the advantage I have is that when I do talk to people in East Oakland and I tell them I'm from East Oakland mm-hmm. and I grew up in East Oakland. And, um, you know, my grandparents live in, East, live in East Oakland. You know, my mama grew up in East Oakland. Sometimes I got mm-hmm. to drop, even, even I got to drop the high schools that my, my, my mom and my aunt went to. Just so they know I'm legit. I went right. to Catholic school. So, you know, they kind of look. I was like, well, my mom went to Fremont. They're like, okay, you okay, you okay. You know, and so, <laughs> and so, and so there's, a, there's a trust there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, then they're, you know, they're more willing to
1: talk to me because they know I'm from the community. You've been in this journalism game for how long?
2: I would say almost 20 years. I would say almost 20 years, yeah. yeah. How did you get your start? I was, so I, I graduated from UC San Diego, and then actually even before that, I was interning at a magazine while I was at UCSD. Um, I was interning in a, a like interior design magazine in San Diego. I had knew I always wanted to be in journalism, mm. but I kind of stopped being interested in it after the O.J. trial, and I know we'll talk about that later. Um, It's because of the experience my family had with the media, so I was like, I didn't want to do that. I I was always on the fence. I was like, I either want to be a therapist or I want to, you know, be a journalist. But I was always, Mm. I think, leaning a little more to journalism. And so then after the trial, I was like, you know, I don't really want to be part of um, media. uh, Yeah, I'm also related. I didn't say I'm also um, the oldest daughter of Chris Darden. who prosecute O.J. Simpson. And so I know we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I kind of was on the fence about it. And so I was majoring in ethnic studies at UC San Diego and we didn't have like a journalism program, but I still kind of have that thirst for it. And so I interned at a magazine and then I moved back to Oakland for a while. And so I still was kind of like, you know, what do I want to do? I was like, I knew I didn't want to be a therapist because I was a um, peer counselor at UCSD. And I was like, you know, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I like, you know, I, you know, and, and I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I had that experience. I yeah. said, but this is not what I want to do. And I was good at what I did, but I was like, I can't, I can't do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so um I was, you know, so I just started I started writing for just small papers, like small, you know, City Flight magazine, which was a small black magazine in in the Bay. I like I wrote for them a little bit and um and then I said, you know, this is what I wanna do. And so then I went to journalism school. Yeah, um, and and moved back to Southern California. I, I went to USC Journalism School, and um, and then that's how it started.
1: That's interesting that you said your experience with the media. We will talk about your your history with, with your dad in another context, but I didn't think about that. The way that the media pursued, and again, like Janae said, she's the oldest daughter of Christopher Darden. I didn't even think about that having an impact on you as the child of this man that's in this high profile case and how that spun your view of the media for a while.
2: Yeah, it did. Wow. It did. Yeah, just like the, you know, paparazzi um I had my own phone. Me and you about to send me. You know, right. back in the day, you had your own phone, right. y'all. Yo. <laughs> in your room, right? <laughs> I had my own, I, was, I, I grew up as a, I'm my mother's only child, and I was my father's only child at the time. Yeah, I had my own phone. I had a pager. You know, and I'm like getting contacted by by media. They found my number and they're calling me. You know wanted to interview me and I was a teenager Wow!
1: Um,
2: and just harassing my, my grandparents and um, my, uh, my uncle, my late uncle at the time, he was struggling with AIDS and they were harassing him. And so, and while he was in the hospital, you know, just, just but
1: that experience made you feel like, man, this is something I wanted to do, but I don't want to do it like this. Yeah. I said, I don't
2: want to do it like this. Yeah. And, I, and I said, I don't want to do this. And, and I just didn't like, I just, you know, just the rumors and the misrepresentation. And, I mean, you know, and that was the beginning of the 24 hour news cycle. Yeah. And, you know, that, that totally changed media. Totally, yeah. totally changed media. So, yeah. So for I, I, I was kind of like, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. So okay, how did you like
1: fall back in love with it or just start to tap? I know you said you, you were writing for papers and things like that. So when the trial happened, were you in college already? I was in high school. You were in high school. Okay. So you had that experience. You went to college, you tried some other things, but then journalism just kept pulling you back.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just kept saying, you know, you want to do this, come on, (laughs) come on now. I mean, when I was little, I was, when I was talking to my mother about this, my grandmother, um, she gave me this little recorder. And because um, I asked, yeah, she, she asked. She I think it was like for Christmas or something. I said, I want, I want a tape recorder. I was a kid. I was like, I want a uh, tape recorder. Uh, and so I had she gave me this little ta- aqua tape recorder. And I was going around trying to interview people, you know, in the family. And they're like, Why are you recording me? Get away, you know. <laughs> and um, and so I would interview my stuffed animals and and I don't, you know, those big pencils you get from Disneyland. Uh-huh. That was my microphone. And I would, and, and I was a kid doing this. Yeah. And I, and, it, and it just. It just dawned on me not too long ago. I said, oh, I've been wanting to do radio, yeah. <laughs> you know, something related to radio. So yeah. I, would, I would I would, record my own shows, yeah. um, you know, on a tape
1: recorder with stuffed animals, interviewing them. I always wanted to do it. It's so funny that when we have that thing, you can run all day it will always call you back. Yeah. That's how I am with the radio. In fact, we have something else in common, too. We both have done Creative Mornings. Um, yes, I watched yes. your Creative Mornings. I, did I creative- watched yours. <laughs> you know, so Hamilton. Yes, yes <laughs> Hamilton. Yes, I had to watch that on election night, too. I mean, on Inauguration <laughs> Night, just to feed my soul again. But oh. you know, it's like that thing it it, when it when it gets a hold of you and that's why I always try to tell people like whatever your gift is whatever that thing that is calling you yeah sometimes you have to do like me I always tell people about my story about yeah I had to work for the state because I had a, a child to feed and I had to make money but I still pursued radio with with all the vigor that I would have if I were a single person without a child to feed. Um, And it's like, sometimes we allow that dream to die because we let other things become our priority. And sometimes we dabble into other things because maybe it's like, I really want to do it, but I'm scared. Um, But you know, Mm -hmm. you dabbled into stuff. You found that that wasn't for you and journalism. It was in your blood. You were supposed to be here. You know, you were supposed to be doing exactly what you do. And I'm sure you're so fulfilled because of that.
2: I am. And, and, you know, and it wasn't easy. And especially with the with the economy, Mm -hmm. um, because I was like I I graduated and then the market crashed. You know, Uh I graduated from journalism school and a couple of years later, the market crashed. And so for a long time, I was just, you know, in and out of jobs. Mm -hmm. And and many times I wanted to quit. And my mother just kept telling me, she was like, no, she was like, I think you can do this. And I was like, I I said, I'm about to get a Google job or something (laughs) because I was just like, I can't keep struggling like this. And every time I would say that, I would mean it. Mm -hmm. Like somebody would call me to do a story every time. Mm and I know that was God. Every Mm -hmm. time. I was like, I'm done. I I quit. And then it's like, (laughs) I get a job interview. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I've been having a job interview for months. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it was just something I wanted to do. And there's storytellers in my family. My grandfather, one of my grandfathers, he was, um, he was a, a reporter. He was an editor for the newspaper on his, on his Navy ship. And and my other grandfather, he was just always a storyteller. So it's just like just being a griot in that respect, is it is in my blood.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I love that. I love to hear that your family, because that happens too a lot of times, is it really is in your genetics. I see that, you know, uh, especially in like teaching and, and education, a, a lot of people yeah. like my mother, my grandmother, my great, all those people were teachers and stuff like that. So, you know, it really is sometimes something that's embedded in us Just like trauma is embedded in us from generations, so are the talents. And sometimes we I think we forget that. And the other thing is that, you know, especially when it comes to careers like journalism, when it comes to radio, television, things where there's so much uncertainty. People may want to do it, but they get scared because of the uncertainty. There's a high probability you won't stay at one station for more than three or four years, let alone have a whole career there. You know, and so I think a lot of times people are afraid of the instability and, he, and see how but God kept he kept you though, because you were like, No, nah, I'm done. Um, and he was like, No, you ain't. Get back over get get over here and do this story. <laughs> <You laughs> you know? Exactly. Get your recorder. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I love that. I love that so much. We are gonna take a quick break when we come back more with Janae Darden. This is full circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. Keep it right here, fam. We'll be right back with more in just a
0: moment. Like what you hear? Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. It's not just talk when you put it into action. Empowering women through conversation. With Miss Wanda
1: This is Full Circle I'm your host, Miss Wanda Having a wonderful conversation With my guest, Janae Darden Thank you so much for being here My guest, Janae Darden and I We're just having a wonderful conversation Again, let me introduce Janae to you In case you're just joining us Janae is a award-winning journalist Author and public speaker She's a mental health advocate And she is the author of a book When a purple rose blooms And so we're going to kind of dive Into that a little bit But I want to go back into a little bit more journalism first before we start uh, digging into the book and you know one of the things you know remember Lena Washington was on last week and you know as Lena and I were talking about last week about you know when you have a passion for something to go for it full force no matter what like don't let that passion die inside of you and so I just asked Janae if she would give us some tips for anybody out there that as uh, wants to dig into journalism and you don't have to be a young person you could be someone that had a passion for writing your whole life and you know you want to get into it now Uh, i have a friend that is wants to be a full-time writer and is starting to embark on that path you know she's been out of school and doing a career but now she wants to shift uh, paths and so i just wanted janae to give us some tips on how she got into really being um consistently a writer you know she talked about doing some articles but what tips would you give people out there that are listening that want to pursue this, this career field no matter what age it is
2: yeah um, are you talking particularly about
1: journalism yeah. or just writing uh, period well I, I guess a little bit of both
2: a little bit about yeah uh, so I, I i went to journalism school and you don't you don't have to go to journalism school mm-hmm. you know to be a journalist it might not hurt to go to um community college and take some take some journalism classes mm-hmm. um you know you can do that just to kind of just get an understanding and a foundation of it um sometimes there's different you know news organizations they may have internships that you can do and yeah you can be 50, 45, 60, if you want to, if this is right. what you want to do, right? you know, do it. Um, sometimes they have programs as well. And so that could be a way for you to get your foot into the door and to learn more about reporting and, you know, journalism, you know, in an old school way is there's, if there's small newspapers or I don't know, there's so many newspapers that folded or like, you know, small news websites mm-hmm. in your community, you, you could start there too, as well as like writing articles um, and, and doing that, you know, and a lot of people, they're starting their own podcasts. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as just doing that kind of, you know, media work, just if if you want to be on air, if you want to have your own show. Right. And Mm -hmm. so and so you can start your own podcast. I mean, now media has changed. You can start your own thing. You don't have to wait. You know, you could you could start your own thing and 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 take off. What about blogging? Do you ever blog? I do blog and I have a blog. It's called Coco Fly dot com c o c o a fly.com and i I, need, I haven't updated it in a while but there's good stuff on there i really highly recommend people to, to visit i do have a blog and and there was a time where i was unemployed for a while and i was blogging and that helps me too as far as getting my voice out more mm-hmm. and making connections with people and there's a whole you know and there's a whole blogging community there's like blogging conferences and podcasting conferences too as well mm-hmm. So that was really helpful for me, and uh, and I still, I need to update it, but I still like blogging.
1: Yeah, it's just harder
2: now because I'm working. Full-time journalist and yeah. in a pandemic,
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And so you know, fam, again, just you know, if you have that passion to write, start anywhere. Start anywhere. There are people that are actually looking for people to write, even like social media posts and things like that. That can just help you continue to hone your chops and get and continue to stay um, present with writing. So there's opportunities out there. I did like the 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 going to community college and just taking some journalism classes, maybe to learn about structuring. How do you structure your articles and, and things like that? I would imagine that would be helpful for yeah. those things.
2: Yeah. And how to structure your script, how to interview, you know, people, um, you know, how to find sources. And so you, you can learn that Yeah, at community college classes, too. And like I said, there's sometimes there's different programs you know uh, radio stations may have or or a, a newspaper may have internships or, or, and there's too there's a lot of hyper local reporting too as well so there's hyper local reporting programs um where you can report in your community and they may give you an internship or a, or a fellowship and then just for i mean cuz i also write poetry and mm-hmm. and, and for people and i and i'm very involved in the literary community here in the bay area and so for people who may just you know maybe you want to write you want to write poetry you want to write fiction um, you, or nonfiction or, you know, whatever. And mm. so just start, you know, with that, just start. You could just start writing. What I've always was told, and, and I agree from my writing classes is that the best way to learn how to write is to read. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, so like make sure you're, you know, whatever genre, genre you want to write in, you know read books in that genre uh, as well and uh, not to say you have to write exactly like them right. but sometimes that gets that gets the wheels turning in your head and um, into it. and I took I remember um, sometimes I've taken community college classes in like creative writing and there's there's writing groups and which really helps it really helps to 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 have other friends who are writing mm-hmm. um, and that can motivate you as well so yeah look for local writing groups in your community or online you know, if you want to just, you know, do
1: online too as well for that support. You make a good point. And one of the things your book and two other books that I read uh, taught me was so I wrote in a compilation book and I was working on and I'm working on my second book. But I was stuck at the place where. I felt like my book needed to be linear and by reading your book and the other two books, uh, one was um uh, book and the other one was Jennifer Lewis's kind of like autobiography, but it taught me that the, that my book doesn't have to be linear that I, it can be a collection of stories and poems. It doesn't have to be just about one subject. And that's where I was stuck in my head, was like, man, okay, what am I going to, like, how do I fit these things together? But it doesn't have to be like that, as long as I'm getting it out and, and you know, just it doesn't have to be one thing. And so reading the genre of book or style that you like, I think that's a really good tip, is to be able to see what works, what doesn't work, what, what makes you react. And then right. tailor your writing not to identif- um, identically be like them but just kind of have some knowledge about the, the subject and how to get it out there
2: yeah, or like what Tony Morrison said, right? Write the books you want to read. Yeah,
1: you know, and and you may see
2: books, and you're like, ah, I want to, I want to do it a different way. You mm-hmm. know, and like, I mean, even with, with my book, yeah, you don't see a lot of books that are that are essays and poetry in one. I'm with a small press, and they're really, really open minded and very diverse. And so I, w- I was, I lucked out that they embraced that. That that's what I wanted to do because I was like, I write a lot of essays and I write poetry, mm-hmm.
1: so. Like, can, I, can I blend it together? And they say, yeah. So when a purple rose blooms. OK, I think I texted you or emailed you and told you I read this like in one sitting. It was yeah. so <laughs> it was so compelling. Um, before we go into anything, what what made you decide to actually publish your work? I was pitching another
2: book and I, and I wasn't getting, um, like I was pitching to, to agents and I wasn't getting. I wasn't basically, they weren't taking me. So, um, and So I was talking to my mentor. His name is Leonard Moore. He's out of North Carolina. He's a writer. He writes hakus. He's very known for writing haikus. And I met him when I was um, at a writer's camp for the National Book Foundation mm-hmm. many years ago. And so he said, you have poetry. And he was like, you have a blog. He was like, take those blog pieces, take the poetry, you know, put it in a book. And I was like, oh, he's like, you already have <laughs> you already have a book. And sometimes you look. You, sometimes you're like, I don't have enough, and you, yeah. and it's right there, right? And so, and so that's what I did, and I was like, oh, and I, like all this, I had all this stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, all these pieces, and so yeah, and so I, I, and more, and I have more, and I, but those were the ones that I I put in a book, so.
1: Yes, I'm so glad you did. I, I love this book. It is inspirational and it, it covers a lot of different topics. If you go to the beginning of the book, um, it kind of breaks it down into your feminine, your mind, your loving. And um, it just each category really focuses in on like womanhood, like my feminine mm-hmm. woman. It's about womanhood and about us finding strength within ourselves um, and you also write a lot about Nia Wilson in yes. here um, what's that connection for you and if family if you don't remember or if you don't recall Nia Wilson was a young lady that was murdered um, at the, on the platform of the BART station um, by a, a, just a, a crazy person that murdered her and injured her sister um, stabbed them both while they were mm-hmm. waiting for the BART in Oakland. What's the connection with Nia?
2: I was just so struck by what happened. And you, you know, I, I, she was only 18. And yeah, I mean, she, you looked at she looked like any one of us, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and i i i was the 18 year old girl riding BART with mm-hmm. my friends, mm-hmm. you know, or my cousins. And, um, it was just so you know it was just, it was just so brutal and that her life was was taken away like that and i wrote about it because i feel like the narrative um about you know Black people is is as far as like we're vulnerable to violence. is is often focused on on the brothers and that and it's real. You know that's real. You know brothers are targeted violently, but I was like black women are too, mm-hmm. black girls are too, and and so and and you know one more proof than that right than what happened to her and so that's why I wrote about wrote about her and also too because you know you always hear that uh, you know that was a, like if you hear a white woman getting attacked that was a sister she wouldn't she wouldn't right. put up with that, right she, you know she wouldn't she wouldn't have had that she would have kicked her butt. and I'm like we're out here getting killed too mm-hmm. and 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 beating up you know we're vulnerable too um, you know, that strong black woman stereotype that we're just totally invincible. And that's not, that's not true, you right. know. And so and so that's why I wrote a, a, about Mia Wilson, um, yeah. just, just because how tragic that was. And, and looking at how black women are vulnerable right now. You know, yeah. we are we are vulnerable um, in, this, in this age, you know, especially with the racial tensions. It was a, a black woman was attacked in L.A. Um, at a Trump.
1: Mm-hmm. at a Trump
2: rally, you mm-hmm. know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so black women are targeted too,
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, it just, it doesn't get a lot of publicity, like you said, um, because they usually target the, or they usually shine a light on uh, our brothers getting murdered, killed either by each other, by police or whatever, but women are, um, yeah. you know, not only are we attacked by other races, We're attacked by our own race. We're killed in a lot of domestic violence incidents, uh, murders of black women are, or a lot of murders of black women are domestic violence incidents. Um, Mm -hmm. We're trafficked and we're missing and no one's raising the flag about, Hey, this girl is missing or whatever, you know? And so there is that thing of, (sighs) we got to get the word out about our vulnerability, about, the fact that, you know, so many people I hear people say protect the black woman, but are they really protecting the black woman? Right. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and there's people doing the work that you mentioned, you mentioned trafficking
2: and a story I'm working on is a woman. Her name is Regina Evans, and she um, is an abolitionist. There are black women that are abolitionists and not just black women, black people that are abolitionists and they identify as abolitionists and they're 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 working to get, you um, you know, people who have been trafficked, youth off the street. A lot of our youth that are being trafficked are black girls. In Oakland, majority mm-hmm. of, of those who are being trafficked are, you know, are black girls. Mm-hmm. And so there's people doing the work. I know there's also a Facebook page called black and missing Mm -hmm. and so they they are and I follow them they're always constantly posting about black people who are. you would never think black people go missing watching mainstream right but I follow them and I see it so much so it's like the mainstream doesn't recognize it and sometimes even our own black media doesn't recognize just you know what we're going through I mean like the like I said the trafficking in our community that's a crisis Mm -hmm. that should be like we should be talking about that all the time I mean that's a
1: huge crisis yeah yeah Absolutely. Man, yeah. how do you, you know, reporting on some of these things? I know you cover like public interest or what do, what do they call it? Like, was it human interest stories? Uh, uh, human interest, yeah. <laughs> but do you ever yeah. dabble into some other areas of reporting as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, I do like features and I and I do hard news. I mean, I, I helped cover
2: elections, um, you know, last year. And then we had it was 10 people around from mayor a couple of years ago. You know, I have covered that. So I, I, you know, I have covered hard news or I'll look at hard news stories and kind of look at, well, what's another angle to this? Mm-hmm. What are we talking about? You know, um, like, you know, this story, I mean, this is the story I'm working on, human trafficking. Yeah, You know, that's, that's in Oakland. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I you know, I drove to the neighborhood I grew up in and I'm seeing, and I, you could tell there, you could tell they're under 18.
1: Yeah,
2: um, And, you know, that these girls are being, Forced or coerced into, into into doing that type of labor, yeah. you know, forced into that type of labor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do I do all kind of stories, hard news, interviews.
1: Okay. Yeah. So. All right. All right, mm-hmm. Miss Miss Darden, let's get into <laughs> this book because um, again, I just love this book, uh, "Purple Rose." When a purple rose blooms, and it is available. Um, and uh, before we get into the book, one more thing about the book: Nomadic Press is a small black uh, press. <laughs> No, it's a it's a small press awesome. um, in
2: based in Oakland, but okay. um, JK, who's who's our publisher, he is awesome, and um, he's published so many people, you know, Black folks, like you know, Latinx folks, mm-hmm. queer folks. I mean, just so many people he's given a platform to that sometimes mainstream may not have published. Elders, mm-hmm. you know, so definitely check out nomadicpress.org. dot org. So many, so many wonderful, amazing writers that are part of the press. I'm really proud to be part of it.
1: Yes. Okay. Let's dive in to the book. It's a collection mm-hmm. of essays and poetry. I wanted to start off in the first section, which is entitled My Feminine. I'm going to go ahead and play this one for you. This is called Joy by Janae Darden. And this, you can find this on YouTube. If you just search Janae Darden live, Joy, then you'll find this one. All right. Joy.
2: When times get tough, I go hard on getting joy, call the girls to go out, play Janelle Monet, electric ladies, cruise to rooftop parties, drink Bacardi, sip on some goose, at the family beach barbecue, kissing the new babies, dancing to 90s hip hop and flip flops. Cupid Shuffle, electric slide, see my cousin pull up in his new ride, give him the Wakanda salute, check out the friend he brought, ooh, he's really cute. Touch up my Fenty gloss, sachet, and my African skirt, flash a bright smile, I'm ready to flirt. Blue skies, golden sand, sun rays glowing on my skin, thanking God for the melanin. Nappy hair, I care for it, loving me in braids, weave, and afro. Gotta carry the self-love everywhere I go. Essence Fest to Paris, Comic-Con to Johannesburg. Saturday nights on the Vegas Strip to Sunday mornings learning the word. After service, I visit Grandma Jean for girl talk and her spicy collard greens. She slices soft, warm cornbread with the crispy bottom crust. Loved, baked in an iron cast skillet. I don't take these moments for granted. Living with attitude and gratitude, I'm queening. Only caring about what I think, I'm queening. Living my best life despite the strife, I'm queening. Accepting I stand out in the crowd while keeping my mama proud, I'm queenin'. Not gonna let this world keep me down, I'm queening,
1: I'm queenin'. I'm queening. I'm queening. So that was Joy, read by uh, Janae Darden. Again, you can find that on YouTube. uh, If you search Janae Darden Live, Joy, that is one of the poems from her book, When a Purple Rose Blooms. And so this is a collection of essays and stories. And how did you feel, speaking of vulnerability, how did you feel about releasing some of this material to the world? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did feel a little vulnerable
2: Uh Uh, and, you know, I said, well, I'm going to release what I'm comfortable releasing. Uh And so, yeah, no, did you put yourself out there? And I've had a number of people that I've known for years and they say, you know, I've I've learned more about you reading your book.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you lay it all out. You talk about relationships. You talk a lot about your family. Sounds like your family is really close.
2: Yeah. I love my family. Yeah. yeah. And they, they've been, you know, so inspirational to me and supportive and I've learned so much from them and yeah. And they've been very influential.
1: Well, okay. Yeah. So I, I, that was joy. Tell me the, 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 the thing behind joy, the catalyst for the poem joy.
2: Just, you know, a lot, a lot of us are talking about black joy right now and because of everything that's going on, um, the, the importance of having joy. Mm-hmm. And and so, and sometimes joy has, is our resistance, you know, to issues, to, you know, happening. And I mean, like black Twitter, <laughs> I'm just thinking of this black, black Twitter during the last, during the Trump administration, uh-huh. they just, you know, I mean, just <laughs> the humor, to to laugh to keep from crying yeah um and and i just i I just i wanted joy just because even though being a black woman is hard in Mm -hmm. this country it's it's also you know i I love being a black woman and there is joy to being a black woman and so that's why i wrote that piece um and and nia you know nia wilson she she was a fun i could tell she was a fun young woman right Mm -hmm. so it's just like just even Writing about that, you know, honoring Mm -hmm. her in joy and and just being this young, this young woman, young girl who's out living her life. So so I wanted to put that in there, too, as well.
1: You know, this joy, this poem, Joy, really does signify Black womanhood. It, it, I mean, it re, it ranges the gamut from um, when you talk about Cupid shuffle, electric slide, seeing my cousin pull up in his new ride. That just brings me so so good memories, you know, right? <laughs> or We're talking about Essence Fest to Paris, Comic Con to Johannesburg, Saturday nights on the Vegas Strip to Sunday morning learning the word. Like, that is just, I mean, just reading this poem, it really is the epitome of Black women, womanhood to me, and it also yeah. Also, does really give me joy because it takes me back to look, drink Bacardi, sip on some Goose. Yeah, okay, we we're not gonna go there, but you. Know. <laughs> <It's too early. laughs> right? But it really it makes me feel good when I read this, and even when I hear it, um, it just makes me feel good because it takes me back to a place, and I think that's what good writing, good poetry, good just. Writing does is sometimes it takes you back to something that fond that that makes you feel good about yourself or a time in your life, you yeah. know, that that you yeah. know just gives you good memories.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, and like you know, black barbecues and yeah. And so I just you know I just wrote about that. Yeah, um, yes, yeah. well, that so, give me joy. Go ahead. No, yeah, I said just things that give me joy as a, as a black woman. Yeah.
1: So now one of the other things that you cover, uh, you cover some pretty interesting topics in the book and one of the, the, um, the workshops that you did uh, over, gosh, it's, you know, we've been in the house so long. Was that in the summer or was that fall? I know it was a hot. It was a hot October. <laughs> okay, it was... <laughs> it was an October, but it was just really warm that that
2: that weekend. We did it. Yeah.
1: yeah so one of the the poems is called "Pink Confessions," and the uh, subtitle is for all those girls who were told they were too dark. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about colorism. So you did a workshop about colorism. Which I, I totally enjoyed that workshop. I thought it was phenomenal. And we had some really good conversation in that. But talk about yeah. your experience and what what was the catalyst? Because in this poem, you talk about, as a little girl, loving pink. And I'm not going to give away too much, family, because you need to buy the book for yourself. Look, But you talk about loving pink and feeling like you were too dark to have pink be your favorite color. Yeah. Which seems... It, on the on the insight, when you think about it, it's like, no, I never thought about it like that. Like certain things and images that we think, or or what people tell us about ourselves, that we shouldn't honor who we really are. And so, in this poem, you really honor who you are. In that, you're a pink loving girl, a dark skinned pink loving girl. But those kind of seem like they were um, on opposite sides of the spectrum growing up.
2: Yeah, I was really bullied um, as a kid for having for being darker skin. I went to a predominantly black Catholic school in East Oakland, and um, and I was picked on by 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 the boys uh, for having for having darker skin and. Um, and I remember one time we had a day where we'd have to wear a uniform, we called it free dress. Mm-hmm. And I, I forgot what I wore a bright color and you know it was just kind of like you can't wear that because you know you're too dark. And so and then for a while I didn't I wouldn't wear bright colors and I like color, you know, and, and 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 bright colors looks great on dark skin. Mm-hmm. You know, black goes everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So and 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 I, I and I, I felt shame and um and I felt this internalized hatred. You know, I wanted to look like Jasmine. This is back in the 80s. I wanted to look like Jasmine Guy. I wanted to look like Vanessa Williams. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want to look like a white woman. I wanted to look like a light-skinned black woman. Mm-hmm. And I and so I carried those issues for a very, very long time. And I loved the color pink. And so sometimes I didn't wear it when I was growing up because I thought people would look at me and be like, you're too dark to wear that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it got to a point where as I got older, I kind of just got tired of feeling that way. I just got tired. Mm-hmm. And um, and my mother would have, I mean, she, she saw me struggling. I mean, it really affected my mental health. that's actually when I started showing signs of depression was around that time. And so my mother would try and get, you know, pictures of like African models and, you know, black female celebrities that are, you know, darky hue, and, and to show me that I'm beautiful, and to tell me I'm beautiful, and, um, you know, to try and challenge that narrative that we see in the mainstream, that only light is beautiful, and light-skinned Black women are beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, and so are dark-skinned Black women, so are, you know, medium-skinned Black women, Black women with albinism, you know, whatever, like, you know, we're we're beautiful no matter what color in the brown and Black rainbow, <laughs> you know, right. we're in, and so, you um, And so, yeah, so that's where that piece came from. Just me wrestling, you know, with that and and wrestling with colorism.
1: I love that you, your mom uh, kind of sensed that thing. She noticed something and that she acted on that. And you mentioned that this was kind of the first signs where you started to exhibit um, signs of depression. So when we come back from the break, I want to talk about your mental health advocacy and what your journey has been with Dealing with and speaking about because you do a lot of speaking about mental health as well. And so Mm -hmm. when we come back from the break, I do want to talk about that because I think that is, you know, we can't have enough conversations about mental health in the black community. We just can't because there's always someone that's that's struggling in silence. Yeah. And I just want to get the word out about that. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about that more with my guest, Janae Darden. When we come back after the break, this is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. We'll be right back after this.
0: She's empowering women through conversation. She's Miss Wanda, and this is Full Circle.
1: We are back. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I am your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with my guest, Janae Darden. She is an author, she is a journalist, and she is just so much more just you know she's just an awesome person I'm so glad that we're having this conversation that she's joining us today Um, before we went to break we had talked a little bit about her poem we're going to go into the mental health space and we will in just a moment but I want to go back to a comment that I received a friend to the show Gloria Bailey Ray what's up Lady G thank you so much for tuning in and always listening and always giving us great feedback but I wanted to um, I was read this comment to Janae and we wanted to just have a little bit of a conversation about it. So uh, Miss Gloria says that the hate that our people give is real. She said light skinned girls had it hard as well. We are light, bright and damn near white. You've heard that's, that saying for, for years. She said we got it from blacks on all levels as well as whites. She said I grew up hating being tall, light skinned, long hair and hazel eyes. Not that now that was a recipe for me getting jumped on and beat up all the time. So even our, our light-skinned sisters, oh, you know, still went through hell as well. Oh, yeah. No,
2: colorism, a, a Colorism, you know, light-skinned women or, and men experience colorism, too, within the community. I mean, you know, we see jokes on that, right. about that on TV shows. And, um, yeah, I've heard stories, you know, Fortune like Glory is where um, light-skinned women have been attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or so you hear people say, you know, you know, uh, dark-skinned men are more masculine than light-skinned men. or right. they're strong. I mean, those kind of things. I mean, that, that is colorism. So, yeah, definitely colorism inf- impacts people who are on the lighter end of the spectrum.
1: Did, did you, um, you know, you did that workshop that was so beautiful. And one of the things that you taught us or one of the things you mentioned was just really embracing who we are. You also shared a little bit of your story. Like you said, you went to a uh, Catholic school growing up. What was that experience? Uh, You know, you felt there was something that had to make you feel that you couldn't wear that color. We're going back to the poem or to, yeah, to the poem. Um, What was the what were those experiences growing up that that reinforced the fact that I'm I don't want to say different because I'm dark. But you know what I mean? That that made that distinction.
2: Um, you
1: know, for,
2: I wasn't nerdy. I'm still a nerd. I'm proud of it. Um, so there was, you know, so there was that, that just being targeted. Cause I was a nerd. I was like one of the smartest people in my class. And, um, I remember one time oh, there was a boy in the class and there was, we were looking, we were, it was our science class and we were looking at birds. And so there was a crow in the the book. And so, they compared me to the crow and was like, she's the color of a crow. Or if there was tar, you know, in a science class, we talked about tar, remember one time, and they were like, oh, that looks like Janae. Um, And one, one memory that really sticks out is, I remember the teacher had walked out the classroom and I was standing at the chalkboard or near the chalkboard and it was a bully and he, pushed me against the chalkboard. It was like, see, we can't see her now, you know, and these were other black boys doing this. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, where did they learn that from? Right. Um, You know, to that, because of my skin complexion, I'm not beautiful um, or or worthy. And so, um, yeah, so that's where the, that experience came from,
1: you know, and that's, you know, you make a great point too, that a lot of time the colorism comes from within you know, we know oh, that yeah. we're going to get it from the outside, but when it comes from within, it seems like it stings even more because it's yeah. like, you should at least understand part of my, you know, my pain, no matter how dark or light my skin is, we're all still black and we all should be uh, rallying around each other instead of dividing, you know, right. because of the way we look, you right, know, right. It's, it's so,
2: inter- cr- you know, we, we've internalized it, right? People have internalized it, internalized yeah. hate so yeah. that, you know, that's what it is. Um, And I just had to, you know, learn that and just say, okay, this, and my mother taught me that too as well. And, um, and I really moved past it once I went to college. Well, it was two things. Um, I went to charm school and uh, my instructor, her name was Sabrina Samuel. And um, she's in, she's in Georgia now. And um, she has a company called the Beckman Companies people that may be hearing this uh, living in Oakland um, may remember her. And so she ran a Charm School Finishing School for girls. And so definitely she helped me. She and she didn't know I was going through colorism issues, but her she really taught us to love ourselves on the inside. And mm-hmm. so she was a fair-skinned black woman. And so I learned, you know, more about loving myself and and my complexion from her. You know, so even mm-hmm. that like yeah, you know, we can work together no matter what shade, right? And so she inspired me, a tall, kind of like your friend Gloria, a tall, light-skinned black woman. You inspired me even more to love myself. My mother, you know, inspired me to love myself. And then when I went to college and I met other girls who, you know, who looked like me and, and were nerdy like me. And I, you know, I saw reflections of myself. Mm-hmm. And so... That totally changed, too, as
1: well. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, for me as well, so. Yeah, it's, it's something that we still... Again, these conversations that we don't have that we need to have, because we need to find out the root of why you think the way you think, you know? Right. Not saying it's right or wrong, but maybe there's something in there that is, you know, because I grew up with this thing or whatever, so we need to keep having these conversations, and I hope that you do more. You know, if you do another workshop on colorism i definitely want to make sure to let the family the full circle audience know because that workshop was really good and oh, so yeah, that, and, and that's conversation that we need to have yeah. uh, i want to pivot over to what you started to talk about your mental health journey and you said that at that time um of of the, whatever age you were uh, when you were thinking of yourself in the pink poem, in the I don't want to say it wrong. Hold on, confessions. Yes, pink confessions. <laughs> pink I, um, <laughs> what? How old were you? Because that you said that's when you started to exhibit signs of depression.
2: I was. It started. So the bullying started in sixth grade, and then one thing I've noticed. Learning more about my mental health is change is hard for me. And so, after I finished eighth grade, I went to high school. And my first year of high school was hard because mm-hmm. uh, it was a new environment. It was high school. I was a freshman. And, and I was still carrying that weight from the bullying and not loving myself. Mm-hmm. And so, that's when the depression hit. You know, that's like I tried to run away from home. Uh, and I just, I, I just, I hated. I hated when I looked in the mirror. I hated myself. I just mm-hmm. hated. Myself, mm-hmm. um, and so you know that's when my mother was like, okay. And my mother, you know, she was giving me images to look at to uplift me, you know, being darker skinned But it, we, we she said, okay, something deeper than this. Yeah. I tried to run away from home. Yeah. And um, and so that's when she took me to a, a child therapist who was a black woman um, who helped me a lot. Yeah. But that's when that was my first break as far as with depression. Yeah. It was, is being in.
1: yeah so you you speak a lot about it and you're an advocate for mental health um, talk talk about what do you do in that space
2: um so initially how it started was I, I i moved back from la i was working in i was working in news and radio in la then the market crashed so i moved back up here and i could not find a job you know this, this is how spirit works i couldn't find a job and so i I saw a posting um, for a, a nonprofit in Oakland that did mental health advocacy, and they were looking for someone to work in their communications department. So it wasn't news, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and the pay wasn't great, and you know, but I needed a job. And so I, I got the job. And, um, and two, another reason why I wanted the job, they were like, well, we want you to, you know, we want you to do a podcast, mm-hmm. we'll give you the money, you know, you make the podcast however you want, which you hardly ever hear, right? blanche, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, You're yeah. <laughs> like, you and you do whatever you want. I'm like, You can give me money, do whatever I want. <laughs> so, I, I was, and, you know, we got we were funded by Alameda County, and so, um, and so, and the we were working with African Americans and bringing mental health awareness to, Af- to the African American community in Alameda County. Um, and so this this nonprofit is located in East Oakland, and so that's when I started doing mental health advocacy and working with people who um, who have mental health issues, and we would go out and do public talks about it, and, and you know, recovery from addiction and um, and depression, schizophrenia, all kind of stuff. And so I disclosed my mental health issues because I said it's not fair for to me because I was helping to run their speakers bureau as well. Mm-hmm. I said it's not fair to them. Um, that I'm running the Speakers Bureau and I have a podcast interviewing people with mental health challenges and I don't disclose. Yeah. And so that's when it started. And so, you know, now I do I do talks um, about mental health and, and, you know, I write about mental health too and what I can't report on and I do as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I so now I want to kind of circle back around. So your mom took you to a therapist, which was groundbreaking for your mom back in those days um, mm-hmm. to take their child to a therapist. Yeah, I think just and when I say groundbreaking, I just a lot of people didn't. I mean, a lot of adults didn't go to therapy, let alone yes. take their child. Yeah. Yeah. This was in the 90s. And so and I didn't even know, too,
2: um, my grandmother, she she would go to a therapist. Mm -hmm. And so she believed in therapy. And I I didn't know she she had been a therapist before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, my mom, my mom took me
1: to to a a
2: therapist at Kaiser in Oakland.
1: Did Um, did depression run through your family? I think so. Yeah, because when I look back, you know, I see people that
2: have issues with addiction in my Mm -hmm. family and Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, usually would. You know, there's something that that causes that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then too, you you look at generational trauma as well.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: and that can you know, there's studies that say that affects your DNA and all that kind of stuff. So there's definitely issues in my family.
1: Was it talked right. about though?
2: No. I mean, like you you know, you, we talked about people maybe that was having addiction or having behaviors, but right. it wasn't it wasn't mental health. Yeah. You know, I think right, we're really I feel like as African Americans, we're really it's more now. We have, we have more language now about mental health, um, to me now than definitely back then.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so, and then the other thing I wanted to circle back around is, is so what, so you had gone, been going to a therapist as a child, you get into middle school, your father is involved in the trial of the century and you, there's this total swarm on your family by the media how did that impact or did it impact your mental health at all?
2: Yeah, so I was in high school when uh, the OJ trial happened. Um, and yeah, it, did, it it affected my mental health in the sense that kind of anxiety, being anxious, you know, because I couldn't, um, you know, my, my mom, my father lived in LA, my mother lived up here, so I was in Oakland. And so just making sure, you know, I still had some normalcy, I could still have activities and, you know, mm-hmm. but just... know making sure i'm being careful and something initially like my mom kind of didn't want me to go out and i was just like you know i was like i I can't go out you know because she was scared and i was like you know i need to live my life you know i'm not being prosecuted you know I was like, let me live my life um so so just that just always kind of making sure you watch your back and so and so i think that creates some anxiety but the the mental health with the oj trial um for me what i tell people the trial for me started after the 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 real trial that's when it started because you go through something really just traumatic and chaotic and then you got to sit there and deal with it mm-hmm. and so that's where the 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 mental health came up for me was afterwards you know um just this how it affected the relationship between me and my father um and you know, trust issues with people and, like, not even wanted to tell people. Because, you know, there were people that hated him and, you know, that wanted to kill him. And so, like, I always had to be careful, and I still am, when I tell people. Yeah. uh, Being treated differently you know, um, because, of, because of him. Some people, they may be envious and think that I'm rich and privileged because of him. And so they want to treat me differently or just because they disagreed with his position in the trial. You know, all of that stuff. So yeah. that affected my mental health.
1: It's so crazy how society, how people are so vocal or opinionated about things that they don't know anything about. In fact, uh, the the how I found you was when he was set to uh, defend someone in a more recent trial. And I read the article that you had still, your family had still been getting threats because he was now going to represent this person and people were all up in arms about it. And I just thought that was so crummy. And I was like, man, I want to just reach out to her and tell her like, I'm praying for you because that's gotta be a tough thing. That's shoes that not very many people walk in. And it's like, how do you, You know, how are you able to navigate through that, you know, is is, it seems like a really tough thing. And I just, I just, I'm just that person, like I'm just compassionate for people. And so I reached out and was like, yeah, you know, I'm praying for you because I just think that that's crummy, you know? Yeah, no, thank you. And I appreciate that. Um, you know, yeah, sometimes he'll he'll take a try. I mean, I I think
2: too, sometimes that's misogyny too, because I, you know, I got, I got, (laughs) I got a lot of threats. Um, when he was he was going to defend uh, the man accused of killing Nipsey Hussle, um, he's not doing that anymore. But um, yeah, I got, you know out because I was online because I'm a journalist, so it's like I'm very very visible online. And then I had been doing interviews before that when they had the People versus OJ Simpson show, and so they just came for me. Um, people people came for me, and then I, I got to also thank people. People are also fighting. <laughs> like, I, like I saw people like back off. You know, leave. Yeah. alone um, because it so has I, nothing to do with you at the end of the day. Had, I, I literally did not know what was happening. I was at home. I didn't even know he was he was gonna take that on until um some until like I just went online. I went on Facebook. I was at I was working and I took a break and I was like, oh what's going on in the news? I went on Facebook and I saw it on TMZ. That's that's I found out when everybody else did so I didn't even know. Um you know, that was happening. So, you know, that's, the, but people get angry. And so, you know, they want to target people. Um, and I'm a woman too, right? I'm a black woman. So it's like, you know, it's fair game. right? Um, how do I handle it? You know, I, I handle it. You know, it's not easy. Um, I've been through it before. It can be triggering. You know, I have, you know, I, I have support. I have friends, I have family, I have a therapist. I, I, I just handle it.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask, uh, you know, what do you have a I'm sure you have a support system around you um, of friends and family. And like you said, your therapist that can really help you, because, um, again, it's it's not it's not shoes that very many people have walked in. And while we think just like kind of what you talked about earlier, like we with the Neil Wilson thing is like while we think we know how we would react until we're in that position, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially too, like I said, I was totally caught off guard. Yeah. Uh.
2: You know, with that, but you know, and then I had experienced it as a, uh, you know, a bit of it before. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't know how you react, you yeah. know. But I just had to dishandle it,
1: so I did. And, and because so. that's what black women do, we just handle it. We ain't got no choice, <laughs> right? right?
2: We do You know, know, but I but I reached out. You know, I reached out to people, and I was blessed because people reached out to me, and um, and then because because people were kind of pushing back on people that were bullying me mm-hmm. it, it 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 slowly you know started it yeah. stopped it slowly declined like yeah. people in the media um were saying like why why are y'all attacking this girl so yeah um i'm thankful that people in the media have said that publicly and then then it started to to slow down and it's, so. it's, it's step
1: down. And so. just the way society is these days, every little thing, every little thing that somebody disagrees with or whatever, it's like you and you. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but right. when you start to put it on me in a way that makes me feel threatened, or I mean, just think about the vice president, um, the former vice president, where they wanted to hang him because he didn't want to you know, fix the uh, the results or whatever. And he couldn't. And he was like, I can't, I don't even know what else you want right. me to do. But they were talking about hanging them. And they took a rope to the Capitol. You know, yeah, I, right. I just, so that just, just the way that people are these days and just reaction and, and just wanting to usurp their authority or their opinions on people. It just, yeah. it, it's, it can be really discouraging. And I can imagine if you're already dealing with, Depression or anxiety or other mental health things that that could even be more triggering, and you really yeah, have to find and those.
2: And, and it's a mental health thing for people that do. I mean, you know, back in the day, Wanda, you know, you remember back in the day, if you had a complaint or you were mad at somebody, if you had to send a death threat, you had to mm-hmm. put on some gloves, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cut out little letters. Cut it out. You had to get a piece of paper and a pen, and you had to look. You had to go to go somewhere and look up the address, right, you know. Right. I mean, you had to put in work to put a, to send a letter. Now you can just, like, you know, get your phone and da 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 and just fire off, you know? Mm-hmm. And then because of, you know, social media and digital media, we are in our own world, and, and we have our own assumptions. Like, this one guy was just really sending me nasty stuff. And I went on his Instagram page, and he had pictures of his children. And he was sending me all this, like, F your dad, da 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 He a cool, he a sellout, you know, F you, all this kind of stuff, right? And so I saw, and he had all these pictures of his kids. And, and he looked rough around the edges, well, I'll just say that. And I, and, and I I messaged him. I said, you know what? I said, I said, I could tell you love your children. I said, your children are, are be- you have beautiful children. I said, how would you feel if somebody attacked your children for a choice that you decided and your children had nothing to do with it? Mm-hmm. I was like, how would you feel? Yeah. And I know he read it because it said he read it, and he stopped harassing
1: me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, that's, you know,
2: but we Ooh. get in our heads about, we see people and we make this assumption of who these people are because yeah. of the images or, you know, whatever little backstory we know about them. Yeah. And so people don't, and then too, I think when you, when you're, you know, famous, I mean, my father's famous, but, I, you know, you don't think these people are humans, yes. you know, it's just like, famous so I can come at you. So So
1: does that affect the way that you are as a journalist? I'm sure that had to have an impact, especially your your um, you know, you talked about your dealings with with being on the other side of it, where the the photogs and all of those people were just hounding your family and harassing and calling you on your private phone. Um, You know, how does that affect you as a journalist when you go to approach particular stories?
2: definitely when I approach you know stories related to trauma um it's just you know being mindful of the questions I ask how I ask questions you know doing the research and the homework um not making assumptions you know just because of what I experienced and 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 being ethical as a journalist Mm -hmm. um you know doing doing my best to do to do that because I know how it feels when you are misrepresented. Mm -hmm. You know, or they don't get the story because it's stuff out there. that I've seen on the internet. I was like, that's not true. I didn't go to that school. Yeah, that's not my mama. That's not you know. Yeah. like that's not old I am. <laughs> uh, you know, and just like I like I you know I, I was in the tabloids back in the day. I mean, yeah. so
1: just just keeping that in mind.
2: Yeah. you know when I when I yeah when I interview
1: people. I'm glad that you are so open about talking about your mental health. I was looking at your Creative Mornings talk and you, and you were very open about, you know, going to see a therapist and giving people tips about what kind of therapist to look for. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that cuz I thought that was really dope some of the stuff that you said and I just want to hear you your your point on that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I just, you know, I feel like
2: therapists is like dating, right? You got to vet. And so you know, meet with therapist that you feel comfortable with, and there's nothing wrong with having a therapist if you're black and you want a black therapist. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're if you're queer, or you're gay, you want a, you know a gay therapist. If you want a therapist that maybe they are you know has has a disability, you know, and you're you're someone who's disabled. I mean, you know, you can look for a therapist that that looks like you or reflects you, because then they may understand your experience in this world more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and you know, and that's how I go. It, to a therapist, you know, I, like I said, I vet and make sure I can feel comfortable and safe um, when I talk to them. And if it doesn't work, you can leave and find somebody else. You don't have to stick with that person. You know, because I think sometimes people feel like, okay, this is my only option. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, you don't have to stay with that therapist. Yeah. If it doesn't work for you, you don't feel comfortable. You don't feel like, you know, they're attentive or whatever. Get
1: somebody else. Yeah. Have you ever had to? I don't want to say fire a therapist, but just find that. Have you ever found a therapist that wasn't um, meeting your needs, and and you had to move on? I. I'm trying to think. Have I? Um, I
2: haven't been in that situation, and I'm lucky, maybe too, because I would talk to people, and they would suggest certain mm-hmm. therapists for me. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been in that situation, but I know people who have. Yeah, you know, I know people who have, and, and they had to find their therapist, yeah. and, and and they moved on to someone else. And yeah. I would, if 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 my therapist wasn't working out, I would go to someone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's paying them right. <laughs> Right. And so don't yeah. feel obligated. I know. And the vetting is important too. It's like just do like an intro. You don't have to commit to anything. Just do kind of like a, you know, a lot of therapists and people in general have, you know, those, you know, discovery sessions or where you can just talk and chat and see if you're even a good fit for each other. I did a discovery session with a the therapist. A little while back, a couple of years ago, and all she did was talk about herself, (laughs) and I was like, "Okay, thank you." Uh, Cross you off the list. I'm not. I'm not paying you to hear about you. (laughs) So <laughs> that's what I said. You got to bet. You yeah, got to bet. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, I want to, I want to hear. Okay. So I had my favorite selections from the book, but I want to hear your favorite selection from when a purple rose blooms. All right. So when we come back, we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to hear that from Janae. Again, if you're just joining us, this is full circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda having a wonderful conversation with my guest, Janae Darden. Um, she is the author of when a purple rose, blooms and we're going to hear a selection from that when we come back this is full circle we'll be right back
0: like and share our facebook page at full circle 97.5 and we're back with miss wanda life coach motivational speaker and friend of sisters everywhere this is full circle
1: we are back. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I am your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with my guest, Janae Darden, um, author of an amazing collection of essays and poetry. It's called When a Purple Rose Blooms. If you haven't gotten it, is going to tell you now how you can get it. How can we get the book, Janae?
2: So you can get it by going to nomadicpress.org. Um, you can also get it. I think there's a few copies left on Amazon. You can get it there, too. You can also contact your bookstore, um, your local bookstore, if you want to support your local bookstore and, and, and ask them to order it, too, as well. So those are a few places you can get it. But, yes, nomadicpress.org and contact your bookstore, Amazon.
1: Yes, I I just love this book. It's it, I read it a couple of times when I need some inspiration. Like, again, mm-hmm. it's about... It just how would you describe it if you if you were saying hey I'm Janae Darden author of this book how would you describe this book what's your elevator pitch for your book <laughs> I know I'm like it's about everything it, it, it's you know it's and it's funny a lot of people said what you
2: said it's like it's inspirational and sometimes they say they open to it and there's a poem that speaks to them at that moment when they need it um but it's basically a it's a book about my own my journey to womanhood addressing like mental health and love, you know, sex and, and race, you know, this stuff that, you know, we experience as, as a black woman mm-hmm. and there's people that are not black that, that like the book and they read it too as well. Yeah. So yeah. I just keep it real. You know, I just keep it real.
1: It makes a good gift. You know, it's never too late or too early to give gifts, you know, and this would make a great gift. What, what is next for you, Miss Darden? What can we expect from you?
2: Oh, what is next? Well, like I said, right now I'm working on a radio documentary um, about sex trafficking in Oakland. Um, So that hopefully that'll be coming out um, in February. I also have a I have a video documentary you can watch called Where is East Oakland? And that's you can watch that on YouTube because people always want to know where does East Oakland start and end? And that's been like such a debate for years. I love that piece, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, and it talks about culture too and just Uh the history of the the area of East Oakland. And so, um, yeah, you can, so you can check that out as well. And then Coco Fly is my my blog, cocofly.com, C-O-C-O-A fly.com. And so you can, you can go on uh, my blog and just read some really great pieces, inspirational pieces, look at, you know, videos that I've done also too. There's something I've hosted that you may want to look on YouTube called let her tell it, mm. which is really, really, uh, it's with, with, uh, with a group of other black women and, um, we talk about i i say let her tell it because it's like giving a black woman a voice to say girl tell it speak on it tell it mm-hmm. tell us how you feeling and so we've we've been we've been doing that for a couple of years now and so if you go on um i think the san francisco public library's youtube channel then you can check it out there and and, and listen to some great poetry prose for me and, and from other from other black women but it's called let her tell it so those are just some of the things that i have and i'm always doing public speaking and and youth too youth like i've, I've done what a purple rose blooms to high school students so young people like it too as well
1: yeah um yeah what what is the the thing you're looking forward to most when covid is over
2: oh my goodness um <laughs> traveling you know not wearing a mask yeah and wear a lipstick out publicly, I mean, but just to like just to not wear a mask, yeah, you know, and just you know getting with friends I haven't seen and hugs, I miss hugs, I mm-hmm. miss hugs mm-hmm. a lot, so I'm single, and so I'm, I'm you know sheltering in place solo, so i miss I miss hugs, so i'll I'll look forward to that,
1: man, tell me about it. I am in that same situation, and I' tell people all the time, like my walls don't talk back enough for me, you know no, they. they- <laughs>
2: And actually, I did a I did a story on a woman in Sacramento, uh-huh. uh, and the story was about not you know being being single and sexually frustrated during uh-huh. the pandemic. Oh wow! So if you all go to org. You can listen to that. And, and so the the woman I interviewed, she's actually in Sacramento.
1: Oh okay. That's that sounds like an interesting piece. K a l w is your channel.
2: Yeah dot org. So okay. you can go online and, and and look at that. But yeah, but follow me anywhere on Cocoa Fly c o c o a Fly on Instagram, Twitter.
1: Uh, Facebook and go to my website. Before we go into the book, I got to shout out a few things um, because I, I have family, a family member and friends that are Sigma Gamma Rho. So, oh, wonderful! Yeah, so... <laughs> So I had to make sure um, that Auntie Joan, that was for Auntie Joan and my, and my, one of my former coworkers, Erica, that were S- Sigma Gamma Rho. So I got to shout that out. Um, but also how, and, and also that you are a big, would you, what do you call it? Is it a sci-fi? You said you were a nerd earlier.
2: Oh, yeah, I love, like, yeah, I'm into, like, sci-fi, fantasy, and superheroes, and, uh-huh. yeah, I'm gonna, that's one thing I'm looking forward to, is going back to, like, comic book conventions and dressing up. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, oh, you do the whole thing. You know, <laughs> I started getting into that right before um, the pandemic hit. Now, that's why I said, you got to live your dreams. Right? Because I said, cause in 2020, I said, you know, I'm about to just really get a lot of just costumes and just really go full throttle and cosplay, <laughs> and then the pandemic hit, so. <laughs>
1: so,
2: yeah, you're going to see me, yeah. You're not going to know it's me, but I'm going to be having a good time. You <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like somebody Harley Quinn or something.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And one more thing. How proud is the city of Oakland of a native being vice president? Are you, are you oh. planning on doing any stories on that? Is your station? You know,
2: I, I actually, I, um, I am. And I actually, um, I went when she was running for president. I covered that, Mm -hmm. and so um, and when she had her big rally in downtown Oakland, I uh, I covered that. And so, you know, it's funny. I was I was thinking about that just the other day, and I said, she born in Oakland, you know, grew up in Berkeley, and I know she lived in Oakland too while she was working um, as an attorney. And it's just amazing, you know, that. the first woman <laughs> to be vice president, um, you know, first is a woman of color. Mm-hmm. um, And then too, like, she came from the town. Right. I was like, that's amazing. You know, I, I never would have thought, uh-huh. you know, I never would thought that, you know, the first woman, and I don't think, you know, people were thinking it would probably be Hillary Clinton or someone. Right. But I was like, she came from the town. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, yeah, people from Oakland brag, you know, they, people from Oakland brag, and they like, you talking about us because the crime is, <laughs> but we got a vice president, you know? <laughs> we got the- Female you know, vice president, right? So, yes. Vice president of color, yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, you know it's really, really amazing. You know it's, it's really, really amazing. So um yeah, and you know and as a journalist, you know I cover politics and everything, but you know I will, you know I can't help but celebrate too the fact that you know we made that milestone and and hope you know hopefully open the door for other women.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know. Get a woman president. You know, future women VPs. So
1: yeah, a woman from the town and a HBCU grad. Because I know HBCU yeah. grads that are like, yes, okay, yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, <laughs> y'all was
1: counting us out. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know how?
2: You know, shout out to Howard. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, and we've seen HBCU grads really. You know, do a lot of work as far as with the past election. So, um and I had the I had the honor. One of the best moments of my life. I mean, I went to UC San Diego, but one of the best moments of my life was I did an exchange program at Spelman. Hmm. That was one of the best moments of my life. And so, and so, I know the power and the influence um, of of HBCU. So yeah, I'm not surprised that she went to Howard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah yeah. So dope. All right, ma'am. I wanna hear what your favorite piece is from the book.
2: Okay. You know, it's it's, it's like saying to pick your favorite child. Right. yeah,
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Which one would you like to share with us in this moment?
2: I'll read You Can't Stop Me From Soaring. That's one of my that's one of my favorites in the book. You can't stop me from soaring. In the beginning, I was a small flower pot filled with rich soil, fertile with possibility. You nurtured me. You, my gardeners of life, dropped seeds of knowledge and women's empowerment, seeds of courage and self-love, seeds of spirit, strong seeds in a sexist, racist world that couldn't stop this Black girl. And over time, my petals bloomed larger than palm leaves, then into wings. Can you believe it? Wings. My flower pot couldn't hold me. I was ready to fly, shine. And just as I was about to take flight, life slammed me. Down, I reached out my hand, praying you were around. Instead, you were behind me, turning the blades in my back. My soul bled every second, but I can't go back in time to what I thought you were. We were all lies. I mourn my past life as you kept turning the knife. You rained down on me your fears and envy. You called my wisdom foolish. You called my confidence weak, my blackness oversensitive. How dare I try for the sky when you really wanted me down deep in your barrel of regret for bad choices made and unfulfilled dreams. But as Maya Angelou said, my description cannot fit your tongue for I have a certain way of being in this world. See, you forgot you dealing with an unstoppable girl, a woman on fire, a phoenix. Now, nah, my name ain't Jean Grey, but me, Janae, I'm just as powerful. I can't be contained. Your life's sores won't stop me from soaring, from pain, from healing. Your life's sores won't stop me from soaring, ever. Move out of the way. There's my sky.
1: Oh, yes. That is so powerful. So, so powerful family. Again, that was from When a Purple Rose Blooms, the book that is authored by Miss Janae Darden, my guest today. That is a powerful piece right there. I love that. Again, it's like the poetry just speaks to who we are as black women. Mm -hmm. And it's so amazing.
2: Yeah. And just people trying to tell you no, and, and people that you thought supported you didn't, um, And, you know, some of that's from my experience with people after the OJ trial. But, um, yeah, and it's like you can't let people stop you and, you know, and you got to go for what you want and, you know, your happiness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: and And your peace. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right because that's so important especially these days will you read one more for me my one of my favorites again I it, they, these are like my babies too but will you just read self-esteem please because I think that's really important especially for anybody that's listening I mean all of your work is so beautiful and again it's just so empowering um that piece right there again I'm gonna have to read that again when I get home and 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 earmark that one too that one's not marked but if if I could mark everything. <laughs> Why mark it? It's it's just the book. But um, it's just really inspiring, inspiring and powerful. Um, Can you read self-esteem, please? That's the last one I'll ask you to to recite.
2: Absolutely. And that's the first poem um, in the in the in the book. Self-esteem. Men been leaving her since she entered the world. Her daddy split right after the doctor said it's a girl. Her first boyfriend left her for Alexis. Her second boyfriend left her for Dallas, Texas. Her third boyfriend left her for Travers. Her fiance left her for the bottle and the nice girl on 85th with a blonde weave. All she knew about men were they lie. They leave and their hearts had a short attention span for her love. What's wrong with me? She cried to her friends. What's wrong with me? Girl, they say, you just need some self-esteem. Huh? Self-esteem? Where do you get that? She asked. Is it something you buy off the rack? Do they sell it at Big Lots next to discounted baby fat? Hmm, self-esteem. Does it come in a lotion bottle or a jar like beauty cream? Has Oprah given it away in her favorite things? Can I get it at the Slauson Meet or Durant Square? Is it easy to put on like a clip of my hair? Wait, hold up, hold up. Do it come with my Obamacare? Do I eat it, do I wear it, do I hang it on the wall? Is it available year-round, winter, spring, summer, fall? Is it free? Do I have to pay? Don't play. Does it fall from the sky or grow from the ground? Maybe mine isn't some lost and found. Is it something I can hold? Will it make me feel good? Do they make it for rich girls and us girls in the hood? Is there a commercial for it, a jingle, a song? Can I order it from Amazon? Get some self-esteem. You make it seem easy, she said to her friends. You make it sound like it's the answer without a doubt. But how is self-esteem the key in a world that constantly tries to lock Black women out? Now, this is where the poem ends, because when looking for self-esteem,
1: where does one begin? Oh, I just love it. I love it. We can just talk and, and, and I can hear you read all day. This is so amazing. That one, is, that's so powerful because it really speaks to the fact that even though things have happened around someone, that they still, it's, it's all about that internal loving yourself yeah. no matter yeah. what. Yeah, and it's not always a simple answer. Yeah, and a simple way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is such good conversation. I'm so happy that you are here today, Janae. Um, Just a wonderful. Person In uh, this book, I'm telling you, when a purple rose blooms, I will again post uh, the, the book and the link to Nomadic Press on the full circle page. But family, if you can pick it up, pick it up. It is inspiring. Amazing. It'll make a perfect gift, especially for a young lady. I think that would be a yeah. really good gift for a young lady to read and really start to to embody that self-esteem, that Mm self-worth to appreciate the color of her skin, to really know that even when you go through situations and circumstances that you can make it out on the other side. Mm -hmm. And for anyone that has a creative bone in their body, that Mm -hmm. is that writes like I do a lot of creative, writing. I have so many creative writing pieces in my computer and you know, just helping you to be able to get those feelings out. I think it's for me writing is very therapeutic, and I may be sitting down to write a note, and next thing I know, it's six pages later, and I'm, you know, but yeah. it's it's very therapeutic. So again, if you have a, an inkling to write to write poetry, whatever it is, you know, maybe this book will be some inspiration for you. In fact, I know this book will be some inspiration for you. So make sure you pick it up. I will post it again, like I said, on the full circle, uh, Facebook and Instagram pages. Thank you so much, Janae, for being here. Um, and just for such a being such a warm person. i um, glad that to have made your acquaintance and you are officially friend to the show now. So you are welcome to come back anytime you have something Something you want to chat about um, the door is always open to you
2: thank you and thank you Miss Wanda for all the, the the work that you do too as well and how you uplift um, black women so thank you for for you being you
1: thank you and thank you for having me appreciate that so much family don't forget uh, when a purple rose blooms I will post that to the full circle Instagram and Facebook pages make sure you're subscribing to the podcast Ms. Wanda's full circle radio so you never miss an episode and don't forget it's no longer available on SoundCloud only past episodes no future episodes will be on SoundCloud only on Apple Spotify and all the other places where you get your podcast um, that's how we're doing it family show love to everyone you meet chase your dreams no matter what they are and your gift will make room for you. This is Full Circle. I will see you next week, family. Peace.
0: This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5.